When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Feminism, 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 feminism ruins everything. It's a feminist podcast. Hello and welcome to Feminism Ruins Everything. We are the feminist podcast where we give critiques to movies, musicals, and pop culture phenomena and potentially ruin them. Potentially. We'd like to acknowledge that today we are recording on stolen Ghana land and acknowledge Ghana eldest past, present and emerging uh, and recognise that sovereignty of this land was never ceded. Today we are travelling back to the mid to late 2000s, all the way back. The noughties, if you will. <laughs> that is my least favourite name oh, for a decade. A bad, I think it's yeah. gross. <laughs> But we wanted to discuss the Disney movie Enchanted. Yes! This was the big cartoon-turns-live-action Disney princess adventure starring Amy Adams and Patrick Dempsey and James Marsden. Oh, really Idina Menzel is there! Susan Sarandon! Jody Benson! Jody Benson's in it! We love Jody Benson on this podcast. <laughs> Any excuse to bring up If you haven't listened to our Toy Story episode, Jodie Benson is the voice of Ariel in Little Mermaid, but she's also Barbie in Toy Story. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Wonderful, wonderful actress. Yeah. But like, really, really big cast. Songs by Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz. Look out! Like, this, this is a stacked movie, and it's Disney kind of like parodying... Disney. And for Disney fans, there are so many Easter eggs and references to mm-hmm. other Disney mm-hmm. films that it's phenomenal. It's jam-packed with Disney-ness yeah. from, from the ground up. So, full disclosure, one of the reasons that I love this movie so much is because of how much my boyfriend loves it. <laughs> like, uh, Blake is like obsessed with Enchanted. No, I'm not saying that if your partner likes something that you should as well. It's just that whenever I watch it with him, it's so wholesome because he's obsessed with it. And he'll like go back and be like, this is my favorite bit and rewind it three times. Like the bit where James Marsden goes, Giselle! And then like bites his knuckle on the bridge. <laughs> Blake rewinds that and watches it like three times because he loves it. Um, but is obsessed with it to the point that he literally emailed Stephen Schwartz and Alan Menken to be like, hi, um, I'm a fan and i just really like to express my interest in Enchanted becoming a stage musical. And Stephen Schwartz replied. Yeah, that's was so like, cool. Hey Blake, thanks so much for your interest. Like, I'm really proud of it as well. Like, I'd love to see it as a stage musical. Best, Stephen Schwartz. Awesome. <laughs> And my favourite thing about it is that Blake is, like, quite an intimidating-looking man. He's, like, 6'4", and has a lot of hair, and has a really deep voice, and a bit of a resting bitch face. And, like, behind this, like, somewhat intimidating persona is this man who just really loves this Disney movie. (laughs) I find it really wholesome. Like, he has a whole spiel about how it was robbed of Academy Awards. And if you want to hear that spiel, uh, we are going to be including it as part of our patron <laughs> Patreon content. Yeah. So if you want to go to uh, patreon.com slash feminismruinseverythingpod, you can hear Blake's entire <laughs> rant 
about how uh, Enchanted was robbed. Yeah, it's really wholesome. I'd recommend it. <laughs> See, I, I'm coming from Enchanted from a different perspective. Like, I grew up loving... Like, I'm a Disney kid through and through. But Enchanted kind of came out in that time period where I, where I was in high school and just a little bit too cool for Disney. Ugh. So I watched it this week mm. for the first time in preparation for this episode. So I'm like, I've got all the Disney baggage, but I have none of the Enchanted um, backstory. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so we've got we come at this from different approaches, and I think it means that our opinion of this movie is varied. Yeah, this might be the first time we've like definitely disagreed on the thing that we're talking about yeah. in this podcast. Yeah, like, not even from a feminist perspective, just on how much we enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> like I freaking love this movie, and I will like sing along to every song. How how does she know? Is an absolute. <laughs> Banger. That's a good song. That's yeah. a good song. Whereas Ellis has some qualms. I have a bit of qualms. I, th- I like. I thought it was fine and enjoyable, but I have some qualms with the way the story was told. And I think, I think, I, I'm, I'm really excited to discuss it with you. Mm. For those of you who don't know, Enchanted, uh, Enchanted uh, begins in like a 2D traditional animated Disney style, and you have Giselle, and she's a far maiden. Giselle. Uh, she, so she's a fair maiden. Who's far away, I guess. Um, <laughs> a far And you have uh, Prince Edward, who rescues her from an ogre and says, we'll be married in the morning. Mm. But then there's... And there is this beautiful musical um, through line, um, mm-hmm. this motif that's like, I've been dreaming of a true love's kiss. And it's like perfect, like Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz yeah. have perfectly encapsulated that like old timey Disney sound. Like you could you could put that into Cinderella or you could put that into Snow White and it would completely blend in. Like yeah. they absolutely hit the nail on the head with like mimicking that sound. Really, really gorgeous. And um And and that, that becomes... sequence is like so over the top and um I think some of the boldest parody actually happens in that opening sequence where they're still in the two D world and everything is yeah. like stereotypical Disney but so inflated like all the animals are like helping her clean her apartment or, or yeah. her, her cottage or whatever it is and um and then of course you have susan sarandon as the evil stepmother naturally who's, who's the queen and she's like oh you know prince edward can't marry somebody otherwise i'll lose my my queenship and she pushes giselle through a portal mm. and she turns into amy adams and Giselle does, not Gis- Susan Sarandon. Oh, sorry. Giselle turns into Amy Adams, and she wakes up in New York City um, in the Climbs real world. Climbs through this manhole yeah, in the and, middle of Times Square. And is like, this is a whole new world. A new fantastic point of view, one might say. And, and, and then like Prince Edward goes after her, and he turns into James Marsden, and the, the Queen's like, servant helper person jumps through and he turns into Timothy Spall. It's all very like <laughs> delightful and the cast is really quite good. Uh, but Giselle meets up with Patrick Dempsey, who's a lawyer and he's all cynical. Also, Giselle is like arrives in New York City and is like very lost and very helpless and is yeah. like like, oh every five <laughs> seconds. Like we should have we did a number of counts of how many times she falls off things. So that's six or seven. Yeah, I she think. falls off a lot of things and gets caught a lot. But also if we'd had an counter we would have been like through the hundreds yeah if i would have made one of those like clicker things that bouncers (laughs) use 
it's it's a lot. Yeah. So she's like very helpless to begin with, and then she sees this billboard advertising a casino called the Royal Palace or something. Yeah, and, and she, she thinks, like, "Oh, it's the palace. I'll go there." Yeah. Climbs onto this billboard, and then Patrick Dempsey sees her and was like, "Oh God, oh no!" Actually, no. Patrick Dempsey's daughter Morgan. Yeah. Sees her. And then is like a princess and jumps out of this cab and Patrick Dempsey <laughs> runs after his like six-year-old child. Uh, and then she falls off this billboard and he catches her. Full count, three. I think it's point. three at that yeah. point. Uh, and, and essentially the story is about he's trying to teach Giselle how to be less of a kind of naive Disney princess and he's like you can't just meet somebody and instantly be in love you know it mm. takes trust and you need to like form trust and it takes work and and he's very bitter because the you know a divorce he's a divorce he's lawyer, divorced lawyer uh, he's a divorce lawyer and, and he's his divorced wife left him yeah it's it's all very and you know it's kind of about them finding like a common middle ground yeah. or like kind of yeah meeting in the middle like he's too cynical and she is too naive and mm-hmm. it's about them like yeah, there's this one conversation that they're having where it's like walking through the park. I don't even remember what they were talking about, but he's like being really cynical and she's being like really, really naively romantic. And I was like, why am I both of them at exactly the same time? <laughs> <laughs> like, these are the two sides of my brain. Both of them have points. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's both me. So that that's the, the basic story of Enchanted. So I think the biggest point from a feminist perspective, uh, like the biggest feminist talking point in this movie, mm-hmm. is the fact that it really takes that Disney fairy tale, like several Disney fairy tale tropes, but particularly the um, I have just met you, we'll be married tomorrow. Yeah. Like, and kind of critique and parody that. Like in the opening scene, um, he goes, What's your name? Giselle. We'll be married in the morning. <laughs> like, and and that's it. That's it. And then and then they're like both fully like let's go get married and and ride off into the sunset kind of thing. And and the entire movie seems to be like centered around critiquing that and and going like well maybe this isn't realistic or this isn't a, a good thing to be showing kids. Like yeah. it's not it's not a, a a good expectation to set. Yeah. But potentially does that with varied levels of success i think also they do really flip the damsel in distress idea on its head yeah um like i think that i'm we might talk about that one first because i think it's a bit more like a bit more specific and done a bit better yes like um what i think of when i think of this point is the fact that in the opening sequence there's the bit where the ogre is chasing giselle and she um falls out of a tree and into the arms of Prince Edward and he like catches her and rescues her and they ride off on the horse. Mm -hmm. And then that is paralleled with the very end where it is Patrick Dempsey, (laughs) whose character's name is Robert. Robert. Wow, you were you were way off. I was not gonna say Robert. And look we can call him McDreamy as much as we want as well. Like that's that's who he is. Great. Uh, so it's him that falls off something precarious and is in danger and then she rescues him yes and so i think that that flip is done well that it's like look women don't always need saving like what it's doing is it's kind of like taking like giselle starts out as the stereotypical 
Damsel in Distress. Damsel in Distress, Disney princess that we kind of see in the likes of Snow White and Sleeping Beauty. Cinderella. Cinderella. Those kind of things where it's like the woman just kind of like exists until she's saved. Mm. And Giselle starts uh, in that place and throughout the course of the film ends up in a position where she has like autonomy and is and is the person like doing the rescuing. Mm. And I think that's a really good progression. Especially in the sense of like the foundations of Disney is based on those kind of tropes. Yeah. And for Disney to then go we're going to subvert it and change it and and end it in a very different place that we began it, I think is really good. Mm. I think this film kind of seems to be a bit of a turning point in the Disney narrative for me, Mm -hmm. just in the through line of how you see women represented throughout Disney films. I think at the point where they were able to recognise the way that they had somewhat two-dimensionally represented their female characters in the past to the point that they could parody them. Yeah. Seems like a bit of a turning point to be like, we're going to do better for our female characters from this Mm -hmm. point onwards. And like from 2007, we've seen so many more um, female protagonists with like a lot more agency and like fleshed out characteristics. We had like uh, like Tiana from Princess and the Frog, Merida from Brave, Mm. Rapunzel and Tangled, Frozen exists. Yeah. Uh, like there's a lot more of it than um, than there used to be, and at least the, the the female characters that were made post Enchanted are much more dynamic and have a lot mm. more autonomy and and um, agency. Yeah, but at the same time, I think that I kind of get a bit of a sense watching this film that it's like, oh yeah, I get that this is sort of being critiqued in a way, but at the same time, this is still a Disney film. It doesn't want to be too self-critical. Yeah, and I think that is my biggest issue with the movie in that it it tries to have its cake and eat it too. (laughs) So the main thing that the film is critiquing is that idea of like meeting somebody and instantly falling in love with them and that's happily ever after. Mm -hmm. Like, And the film kind of paints Giselle's true love as uh, uh, tr- true love aspirations as like very naive yeah. and she needs to kind of learn reality and what a real relationship is like Patrick Dempsey has to teach her like you go on dates with people and you learn about their likes and dislikes and, and you eat food <laughs> yeah you do activities you go to museums and, and stuff like that and so it's like it's this quite nice thing of like saying it's like no like relationships are work you have to it's not just one kiss and happily ever after yeah. kind of thing. And the movie spends a lot of time critiquing that. But then at the end... Kind of undoes it all. Kind of undoes it all. Because uh, Giselle gets poisoned by the evil stepmother. And the only thing that can wake her up is true love's kiss. And oh my goodness, it's Patrick Dempsey. Oh no, when James Marsden kissed her, it didn't work. Oh, what? Maybe... Instead of the person that she's known for three days, she should kiss the person that she's known for two days, (laughs) but had a couple of conversations with. Yeah. And so it's like, it's trying to have its cake and eat it too. Yeah. And and it kind of like sets up this idea of like, no, relationships take work, but still after two days, Patrick Dempsey can kiss her and wake her up from from the the magic spell because true love, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Especially when Patrick Dempsey is in a relationship with Idina Menzel at this point in time. And and she's kind of like, it's okay. <laughs> but I think 
I think the issue in the critique comes from the fact that he's been like, yes, like relationships take work. I've been with Idina Menzel for five years. Her name's Nancy, I'm pretty sure, but she's Idina Menzel. (laughs) Uh, And like, you know, we take things really slow and we're really considerate of Mm. one another's needs and stuff. Um, But then he meets somebody and within two days is like, actually, no, I love this Mm. wacky woman more. Um, to the point that I'm going to abandon my five-year relationship. Yeah, Um, because true love. Because of true love, yeah. And it's like, yeah, that just seems to undo the whole point of not falling for somebody immediately. Exactly. Like, fall for somebody that you've had a couple days' worth of conversations with, Yeah, and she's a Disney magical princess and can make Central Park sing and dance in unison. Yeah. Like, it... Like, I don't know how... It feels like it talks the talk but doesn't walk the walk. Exactly. The whole time, it's like, oh, you can't just... um, You have to, like, date people and get to know them and Mm -hmm. uh, get to know who they are as a person rather than just decide to be with them forever. Yeah. Immediately. Um, And so it, like, says that, and Patrick Dempsey says that, and we're like, okay, this is... (sighs) supposedly what we're meant to take away from this, but then it doesn't exemplify that because it's like, oh, you're about to give up your very long-term relationship for this person that you've literally just met. Mm -hmm. And same goes, like, Idina Menzel and James Marsden, a.k.a. Nancy and Edward, then, like, are the the left-behinds of these two (laughs) fragmented relationships where their um, respective partners have coupled up and they're like, ah, well, we're left behind. Okay, guess we'll go back into to D Disneyland and get married because we just met as well. And it's yeah, like... it, it, it's as if they're trying to critique the Disney style while also adhering to yeah. it to the letter. Yeah, and you can't really have it both ways. Yeah, like which, which one do you think Disney? <laughs> At least it was like somewhat self-aware in that I th- regard. I think so. I feel like this was the stepping stone to get to the point of Frozen where they were like, oh, you can't just marry a man you just met. And then they actually follow through with that. Yeah. Incidentally, Idina Menzel was also there too. (laughs) She has a running theme in Disney films. Um, Yeah, like I think Frozen is like the the example of them critiquing the Disney formula and carrying it out. Yeah. And like actually like believing in the critique whereas mm. i don't think enchanted believes the critique it's kind mm. of like like i one of the issues that i have with it is that i feel like the parody elements are quite shallow mm-hmm. and it's not so much that it's parodying what disney was like back in the day but it's parodying a parody of what disney was like in the day and so i felt like it, yes i guess that it, it's it's aimed at maybe like a younger age group than than me, but I wonder if like you, twenty-eight-year-old Ella Stolen, were not the target, not the demographic. target demographic for this <laughs> Disney film. Um, but it, but I feel like you could have, you can parody these things in a, a smart way, and I just think that it all felt a bit easy. Like they made the easy jokes and made the easy targets, and of course you can't fall in love with somebody. And True Love's Kiss doesn't really exist, but also it kind of does. But it please, does. <laughs> pl- please, please buy, buy our into things. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> please support Disney, the mammoth corporation that yeah. is predicated on fairy tales and stuff. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do think that 
like I, I do believe what I said before that I think that the best parody happens at the very start where they're mm. like all of the <laughs> and all of the birds and stuff come running and mm. help her like with her daily tasks and stuff um, and then the whole I've been dreaming of a true love's kiss like yeah. that whole sequence is like Disney to a T but it's mm-hmm. like you can tell that it's working in the form and making fun of it yeah but like in a very loving way being like this is cute that we used to take this seriously now it's funny yeah but yeah i'm not sure that that same level of effective parody is consistent throughout yeah it definitely it definitely doesn't maintain it no um and I mean, everything is still obviously very heightened. Yes. Uh, and, like, the the melodramatic caricatures of, like, Giselle and Edward and... Um, Nathaniel. Nathaniel. And even Susan Sarandon, the evil queen. Um, that still feels very over-the-top and true to the Disney style and form. Yeah. But... I'm not sure the parody is consistent. No. Uh, and when when we were discussing this earlier, one thing that I mentioned was that I felt like it, Disney was parodying something that it wasn't anymore. Like in 2007, the the kinds of Disney princesses that had just been were like Ariel, Mulan, uh, Belle, Jasmine, who at the time were like a huge progressive step forward in the depiction of what a Disney princess was compared to Mm. say Snow White, Cinderella and Aurora who were very much, I'm going to stay in my tower until the prince comes and rescues me. You have people who are just like, I want to get out there and I want to do the thing. And while that hasn't, some of them haven't aged as well. No, at the time that they were made, they were like a big step forward. And so for me, it felt like, Giselle was a parody of princesses who haven't been relevant to Disney mm. for quite a while. You know how you like to do that thing, Ellis, where if you think that something is um, could be done better, you'd like to recommend something that you think did it better? Yeah. Do you know what I think actually achieved what Enchanted was trying to do before Enchanted did it? Mm. Shrek. Yeah. Like, but also the thing was Shrek isn't Disney, so they could actually parody mm-hmm. it properly. Yeah. But like it, re- that really subverts the idealistic fairy tale fairy tale princess being rescued, not taking her life into her own hands. Like, I think that Shrek does it better. Yeah, like Shrek's kind of become a bit of a joke. Shrek is a meme. Shrek is a meme, but in what two thousand one when the first Shrek movie came out and it was actually like, it was very different to anything that had been around before, particularly those who grew up with like Disney and this is what a cartoon is and this is what an animated feature is and it has this kind of thing and and Shrek opens with a Smash Mouth song <laughs> and, and your main character is like this big ugly ogre and it has, I think there's quite a lot in Shrek yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think I think a lot of the things that Enchanted wanted to do, Shrek did better. And because it didn't have that like tie to the Disney yeah. brand, it was able to... It wasn't like trying to maintain the brand. It could like... Yeah. DreamWorks is like... <laughs> <laughs> no, mate. 
We've talked a lot around Giselle. Why don't we talk about Giselle? What do we think of her as... <laughs> Giselle! As, as a protagonist. Once in my, in my career as a performing arts teacher, I had this poor kid in my class whose name was Giselle. <laughs> and do you think I ever said her name normally? Absolutely no, not. Every time not. I called her out on the roll, I was like, Giselle! <laughs> and I don't think she understood the reference. But I had a great time. <laughs> I also once had a student called Angelica. Angelica was the only way that I could say her name. I'm getting sidetracked. Giselle. I think that her character development is great. Mm-hmm. I think she starts off really beautifully naive. Um, I think my favorite line, like when we watched it yesterday, I had a big old laugh at this. In the um, I've been dreaming of a true love's kiss song, there's mm-hmm. this one line um, where she sings. That's the reason we need... Oh, I just changed key. That's the reason we need lips so much, for lips are the only thing that touch. Are they? Oh, are they? Oh, Giselle. Oh, Giselle, you sweet little innocent, innocent fairy cinnamon tale bun. child. <laughs> uh, so she goes from being this absolute naive airhead mm-hmm. to, you know, having this really rude awakening when she enters the real world reality literally yeah. and um where she has to kind of harden up and learn some truths and gets to a point where she has a lot of agency mm. and where she can like save the day but like she she comes from a place where she she didn't know what anger was <laughs> and she'd never felt angry before and there's this like quite wonderful scene where she is angry for the first time but she's so excited at the fact <laughs> that she's angry that she can't stop smiling, but she's furious, and it's really quite lovely, and it's really wonderful to see her grow as a person and like experience all these things for the first time yeah. and kind of come to her own conclusion that the way that she had been living her life before maybe wasn't the best way. Yeah. There's also the sequence, I, I think a big moment where she realizes and like i guess the audience also realizes her changed worldview is when she finally meets up with edward again after he finds her mm-hmm. in new york and he starts singing at her and like expects her to finish the line and she doesn't do it and it's like there's there's this moment of like why are you just singing at me <laughs> and then he like tries to feed her the line she's like oh yeah i'm not singing am i i'm i'm thinking and he what does he say like he's just like why or, like, what's that like? <laughs> Something like that. So I think even at that point, it shows the growth of her no longer being this very naive, yeah. like, sings at the drop of a hat. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, <laughs> but that she actually wants meaningful connection with someone more than the performative bav- bravado of... Yeah. We're just going to sing this love ballad and then we'll fall in love and get married. Yeah, and she, like, she says, like... Oh, like, before we go back and get married, take me out on a date. And it's, like, quite awkward because he doesn't really get it. But she, you can see her kind of, like, trying to process, like, mm. oh, you know, there's there's so much more that I could have. And this is actually, like, it's harder, but it's more fulfilling. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, when she, like, decides to remain in the real world with Patrick Dempsey, she, like, opens her own business. She's, She's an entrepreneur. Yeah. She slays a dragon. Yeah. Like, she gets but, shit done. But also is still true to herself. 
yeah. like does not give up on her like very flowery persona like the fashion house that she opens is like these really extra like princess outfits yeah. so she still very much imbues it with her self but um has more agency while still staying true to the mm-hmm. beautiful flowery persona that she is exactly and and i think hot take you can be a strong woman and also really like very feminine traditionally feminine Thanks. Yeah, and I think I think she really encapsulates that well, and yeah, the fact that she is the one who kind of saves the day, slays the dragon, slays the dragon is a really is really cool. Like, she- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You get, she has a really great growth. And the movie does that really well. I just wish it wasn't undercut with the movie kind of like going back on its yeah, trying to make its main point and then not following through. Yeah, like even even after all this, she still needs to be woken up by a man kissing her, which like serious consent issues there. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. No, (laughs) no, because if someone is asleep, they you can they cannot give you consent. No. That is an element that has been prevalent through the Disney fairy tale. Yeah. That has Snow not, White. not been critiqued. Sleeping Beauty. Like, yeah. yeah, it's 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 all there. And for the movie that is should have, should be and sets itself up as the critique of these things to ultimately play it very straight and be like, this is the solution to our problems. <laughs> it's like, oh, you, you just don't quite get it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I I know we said that we were going to disagree on this, but the more you make this case, Ellis, the more I agree with it. <laughs> but I still really like the movie, and that's okay. <laughs> that's totally okay. And then in that ballroom scene before she eats the apple, um, there's that beautiful moment where the guy is singing the so close, du, du, gorgeous du, song, du, 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 so close. I don't know any of the words. It, but, it sounds exactly like a, a Disney credit song from the 90s. It sounds exactly like a Disney credit. It's when like they got a pop star to yeah, sing. Yeah, like Celine Dion to sing Beauty, Beauty and the, the Beast. Beast. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what it sounds like. Um, but where the whole time Patrick Dempsey's been like, I don't sing, I don't sing. I don't sing. I don't dance. Um, And then he's like dancing with Giselle and he's singing along to the song because she makes him want to sing. Yeah. That's wholesome. There was a line that I quite liked where he he says like, I don't dance. And then when they end up at the ball uh, in the end, she's like, I thought you couldn't dance. And he's like, no, no, no. I said I didn't dance. I didn't say I couldn't. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I see what's happening here. Oh, McDreamy. You're on Grey's Anatomy for a while. <laughs> Let's talk about Idina Menzel. So, Idina Menzel was in Rent, and then... <laughs> then was in Wicked. Yeah. <laughs> which is, 
like it makes sense that Stephen Schwartz wrote Wicked and then wrote uh, Enchanted and then was like, Idina, my old pal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Although you were telling me, Ellis, that apparently she was really flattered to be asked to be in Enchanted because it's a, it's a non-singing role and she was like I've been cast on the strength of my acting ability yeah apparently she was really flattered in that and I'm like that's really nice because as, as somebody who is like predominantly a musical theatre performer I always like worry and I know that if at some point I get cast in like a straight play I'd be like oh what me you don't want me to sing oh I, I, yeah. I, I get that see I'm the absolute opposite of that I'll be like you, you mean I can't hide behind my singing? <laughs> uh, you mean I have to do this on the strength of my acting ability alone? Uh, uh. What? Oh, terrifying. Uh, but my initial thought when I watched it was like, that's Idina Menzel. I was like, why would you, why would you have something, why would you have a movie musical and not get Idina Menzel to sing? <laughs> what? what? Why would you do this? But that's, that's wholesome that she yeah. um, was like, oh, get a shot off the acting trumps. So, on one hand, I think that Idina Menzel's character, her name's Nancy, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, it's not Idina Menzel playing herself. <laughs> um, although, like, plausible. They live in New York. Yeah, could Robert be. could have been like, this is my girlfriend, Idina Menzel. Idina Menzel. Menzel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have made the movie so much yeah. better. <laughs> like, it was a real... I was really sad for her that her marriage with Tadings didn't work out, but like... <laughs> like, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Idina Menzel's character's name is Nancy. Mm-hmm. And to begin with, I'm like, yes, Nancy doesn't take any shit. I loved her introduction in this film. Yeah. Like, so uh, Giselle stayed the night and through a series of wacky misunderstandings, um, she ends up falling onto Patrick Dempsey. In a towel. In a towel, having just gotten out of the shower. And that's when Adina Menzel walks in and sees them in a compromising position and is like, I'm not taking any of this shit. Yeah. Like, how dare you? Like, <laughs> um, Adina Menzel's supposed to take Patrick Dempsey's daughter to Morgan to school for, for some... some grown-up girl bonding time. And, and Adina Menzel's just like, oh, and he's like... Uh, Idina was like, I'm out of here. And he's like, but, but what about Morgan and, and grown-up grown girl, girl bonding, bonding time? time? He's like, well, it looks like you had some grown-up girl bonding time last <laughs> night. And I'm like, oh! Okay, that's a good line. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Idina Menzel not taking anyone's shit. <laughs> However, then the writing does her no favours. <laughs> Immediately undercut. Yeah. Because he has done... Like, honestly, I'm fully in support of her decision there. Yeah. that She's like, oh, I can't stay over at my partner of five years' house because of his daughter. We've got to set boundaries. But, oh, there's this random woman that you've picked off the side of the street who has stayed and is on top of you in a towel. Like, yes, mm-hmm. fair enough. I didn't even know setting some boundaries. Yeah. But um, then Giselle get like delivers these flowers to Nancy's office um, with like some tickets to this ball and then immediately Idina Menzel was like I forgive you this yeah. is such a romantic spontaneous gesture it's like oh Nancy you're better than that you accept apologies that are you know actually apologize for the actions and then demonstrate improvement in behavior yeah like not just a Romantic gesture. Here are some flowers. The Giselle organized. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick Dempsey had very little to do no. with the apology happening. He didn't want to go to the ball. No. He said so. And then when he went to the ball, he ended up kissing another woman. Yeah. Just Justice for Indita Menzel. But then 
at least like she gets to oh no not at least she and edward end up together and she gives up okay this is the part where i'm like no 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 this is not viable she's ended a five-year relationship and then spontaneously is like you know what Giselle. Fuck this, I'm off to live in a two-dimensional Disney world with this Disney prince who I've just met. Yeah, it's very... Giving up my, you know, illustrious career as we don't quite know what her career is. I've done because some, we don't know anything about her. I've done some cursory research and apparently there's like a cut scene which kind of like has the two of them bonding and like kind of explaining why they just run off together. But it was cut. Oh. And... So I'm like, so it, it happens really suddenly, and again, undercuts the main yes. message of the film. Yes, undercuts so, the main message of the film. Uh, let's talk about the queer representation in this film. Eek. It's well, it's a Disney film, so it's very don't limited. Get your hopes up it's because very... queer representation in Disney is poor, to <laughs> say the least. This one stands out though because there are two moments where. Queerness is directly referenced. Yeah. And both times it's utilized as a punchline. Yeah, 100%. So there's a moment where, where Edward springs out of the manhole cover in the middle of Times Square, and there's a bunch of construction workers around, and he, he tells them, I'm looking for a princess, and then runs off. Yeah. And then. I'd like to find one of them too, you know? Yeah. And then. I'm Timothy... quite proud of that. <laughs> uh... Should you be? No. But... <laughs> Shut up, Alice. <laughs> um, Timothy Spall then jumps out of the, the manhole yeah. cover. Wormtail. Wormtail. Um, Nathaniel. Character actor Timothy Spall <laughs> yeah. um, jumps out and, and the same construction workers are there. And it's like, let me guess, you're looking for a princess too, huh? And Mine was better. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, uh, no, actually, I'm looking for a prince because he's chasing Prince Edward. Yeah. And all the construction workers are like, okay. And it's like, oh, really? That's uh, that's nice. And then there's like, another. Why is, yeah. Like, there should have been a line there. Was like, all right, whatever you into, man. Like, yeah. No worries. Or even one of the other construction workers going, I'd like to find one of those. Two, <laughs> huh? uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then uh, there's a there's another moment where Edward is like in the apartment building that Giselle and Robert are staying in, but is door knocking to try and find her. And he knocks on the door, and it opens up, and there's this big, burly, like, biker-looking man mm. who gives a very, very suggestive look and smile, mm. and that's the gag. That, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, there's just a couple of, like, these are the moments of queer representation, and they're very obviously at the expense of... Yeah. Disney has, quote-unquote, gotten better <laughs> with its queer representation... <laughs> Oh, no. But it's still not great. Like, I remember there being a huge hype over the Beauty and the Beast live action. Yeah. Where everyone's like, oh my god, LeFou is a gay character because in the ballroom scene at the very end, he dances with a man. And I was, like, kind of hyped for this moment. And in the scene, like, blink and you miss it. Yeah. I was like, sorry, what? Did that happen? But, But that was, like propagated by Disney saying like LeFou is the first queer character openly queer in Disney canon this is the thing we're doing it and then it lasted for all of two seconds and was just like like why bother again mm. trying to have your cake and eating it too yeah like, just not and also there's like that one tiny moment in Frozen where there's the 
um, yoo-hoo, big summer blow up, <laughs> that guy. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's a snapshot of his family and there are two dads in the family. Yeah. It's like a very brief moment very, with the suggestion very brief. that they're queer parents. But like, yeah. But but again, like the, the, the I mean, I take issue with the fact that the only references to queerness are, are utilized as a punchline. Yeah. In in this movie. And it's like, so brief. So brief yeah. and just, yeah, upsetting. Um, again, I'm going to pull an Ellis Dolan and recommend something <laughs> that does this well. So um, my darling friend, Rich Watkins, is an incredible um, actor, singer, performer from the UK. And I met him during Fringe this year because we were sharing a venue for our shows. And his show is called Happily Ever Poofter. Um, Poofed it in the reclaimed sense mm-hmm. of queer pride, and it's his story about being a gay Disney prince, oh. and it's so wholesome. And I would highly recommend. Obviously, it's, it's very hard to see live theater right now, but like go find Rich Watkins on the social medias so that when he does bring his show again to somewhere near you, you can go see it because. It's a beautiful concept and it's beautifully executed and he like parodies all these incredible like he parodies the Disney canon but he like writes new lyrics to make it about yeah. him being a gay Disney prince. I saw the show three times. <laughs> there was a glitter canon. It was very extra. I highly recommend. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So while Disney's not doing it, Rich is doing it very well. <laughs> there are so many queer people. There are so many queer people. And there are so few queer stories, especially for kids. And yeah. if, if you're not showing them those stories, then they get us that queer kids growing up get a sense that the person that they love and how they love is wrong because they don't see it represented. Mm-hmm. Like there is nothing your kids aren't gonna turn gay because they watched gay love stories. Even still, nothing wrong with that. Not something you should be worried about, about. quote-unquote. But also, queer kids grew up watching heteronormative Disney and it didn't turn them straight. (laughs) So, like, it's not going to work the other way. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I'm waiting for the moment when it is confirmed that Elsa is a lesbian queen. Oh, it was so close to being confirmed. Or even, like, asexual. Or pan, or bi, like something that's not straight and heteronormative. And yeah, yep, yeah. Let it go. Being heteronormative <laughs> expectations. Love is an open closet. That's beautiful. <laughs> We've gotten really sidetracked from Enchanted. So let's go back to Enchanted and discuss the POC representation. Oof. Because there was a like, there's not a lot. It's not great. None of the major players are people of color. They're all, no. they're all Caucasian. But yeah. there was one moment that really stood out to us. Like, I had to pause it when it happened. Because yeah. it was a real visceral reaction. Because um, So the, the couple that Patrick Dempsey is d- divorcing... Like he's, he is he's representing the, the woman. wife. In, in, in this the divorce, divorce case, yeah. That's a much better way of putting it than I just did. Yes. Because uh, <laughs> I'm the lawyer, Ellis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know the smart terms. <laughs> and <laughs> um, so he, he's representing the woman, and it's an African-American couple. Yeah. And Giselle, in like a fit of naivety, 
runs up to to the woman and just immediately touches her hair and goes, your hair is so beautiful. And at that moment, I like, it was such a visceral reaction. I'm like, I have to pause this and I just have to take a moment of that is so wrong and icky. And to any white people, predominantly white women out there who think, what's wrong with that? Don't do it. Don't touch black women's hair. Don't do it. It is really wrong and not okay. Don't do it. No. And while it's like, I mean, yeah. I made the suggestion that to some degree you know that Giselle doesn't understand acceptable behavior yeah. in the real world. Like, moments before this, she has taken a fish out of the office fish tank and has put it in her mouth. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, it was kind of gross. It's sort of... That's not really explained, but she meets... Uh, the secretary, Jody Benson, mm-hmm. and like spits this fish out into this glass. It's like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. Like, <laughs> just had this fish come out of her mouth. So, to some degree, she doesn't understand how to operate in this universe. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the other things that she does, like climbing up on billboards, like calling a short-statured person grumpy. (laughs) Like, they're so obviously incorrect. Like, like putting a fish in her mouth. Um, But it's not made obvious enough that touching this woman's hair is something that is socially unacceptable. Yeah, it's not critiqued or condemned. It just kind of happens. And in fact, Giselle ends up saving their marriage because of this interaction that, that that follows and it's just but it was just one of those moments that like i wonder if that's just like that just wasn't even a consideration mm. back in 2007 which is is has become like a wider known yeah. thing now that maybe it's just like a sign of the times that yeah that we would react so yeah. also how many people on the creative team were black i'm gonna guess zero <laughs> gonna guess zero gonna guess not a lot and, like, how much agency did that actor have to be like, I don't want you to do that? Yeah. yeah. Like, it, how, much, how much external context did she get to be like, all right, I understand that mm-hmm. this is just something that this character is doing in this sweet way, not that it is actually going to be something critiqued. Right. Yeah, it's, it's not, not great. Just, I, think, I think that one just comes down to things that just haven't aged well yeah. and, like, societal perceptions uh, and understandings have evolved since then yeah and also that couple is another example of the through line of critiquing the oh we're gonna fall in love on a whim Mm. um because they're getting divorced and then she's like oh look her eyes sparkle so much and then they get back together and he's like you're right her eyes really do sparkle and it's like really do all of your irreconcilable differences (laughs) just evaporate the moment that you Mm -hmm. fall in love with her eyes again no I enjoy this film the most when I am just completely su- suspending my disbelief. <laughs> I think when you go, when you don't think about it too hard, it's so much more enjoyable. And then you have to watch it to critique it for your feminist podcast, and you're like, oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I think, I think that when the film's purpose, like its main conceit, is that Disney's finally kind of parodying and critiquing the things it's set up. Yeah, that's kind of what the film is based around and for you to have to go oh if i don't think about the film that's critiquing <laughs> disney 
it works, it means that it hasn't done its job in critiquing that well. No. No. But... I've said this a million times already this episode, but like it's gone on to do better. Disney has yes. gone on to do better. Yeah, still a lot of room for improvement, but has has gotten better. Yeah, Ellis, does Enchanted pass the Bechdel test? I don't think so. I don't think it does. A lot of conversations, like a lot of Giselle's conversations, are about true love mm. and the prince that she's going to marry. Yeah, well, and they're like with the men, like they're yeah. with. Uh, Patrick Dempsey. Yeah, um, it's a lot of that. She does have a couple of conversations with Morgan, uh, Patrick Dempsey's daughter. But again, I'm pretty sure they're all about fairy tales and love and and everything. Like they go shopping together, and Morgan says, uh, "You know that guys only want one thing." And just I was like, "What's that?" And Morgan's like, "I don't know. Nobody will tell me." <laughs> and that's quite that's quite cute. That's very wholesome. But again, like all the conversations kind of come back to to men, even when. Uh, Giselle and evil step mother Susan Sarandon are talking. It's about it's in relation to Edward, Edward, yeah. and uh, and Patrick Dempsey. And yeah. so I don't I don't think it does. I just don't think it gets there. Yeah, which is a real shame. Yeah. Uh, there's also this one part. Just speaking of Morgan and cute things that she says, there's one part where um, she goes, "I'm only six and I was like, there, you would not find any six-year-old that's like that tries to undercut their age. Yeah. Like, all six-year-olds that I've ever met have been probably like, I am six. I am so mature. Like, no, no, no. It's like, I am six and seven months. Yeah. Like, like no, no child that young tries to <laughs> undercut how old they are. Yeah. Like, they are very proud of exactly how much time they have been on this earth. <laughs> The only people who try to undercut their age are people who are like, I'm only 28. Yeah. Like, I haven't done anything. Yeah, I'm only 26. What? Yeah. I, I, I don't have to have achieved anything in my life. Exactly. <laughs> Things are different now. Ellis, I have a very strong sneaking suspicion of what conclusion we're both going to come to. But uh, do we rate or ruin Enchanted, the movie musical? I think it tries it tried it tried it tried it tried but i think ultimately it got caught up in its own i think it tried but it got caught up in the disney yeah it it, brand. it got caught up in having to stay true to the brand yeah yeah and and i feel like it would have been a much more successful film if disney took the risk and mm. it was like we're going to make these perfectly valid criticisms of our own yeah. work and and I think it would have been a much, much stronger piece. I almost wonder whether the original script was a bit stronger in that regard and whether Disney execs kind of yeah. came in and were like, oh, No, we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't do that. We're Disney, we can't do that. Yeah. I, was, I, I would almost like to believe or hope that that was the case. Yeah. The original script was better, but then I want to see the original script. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and and it's all speculative, but like we got the film that we got, and yeah. I feel like it has it like puts forward a lot of ideas and then caves and doesn't yeah. follow through with them. Which... However, some absolute bangers, <laughs> like some absolute bops, exist. That's how you know has musical. been stuck in my head since yeah. I watched it. Even it's... like Happy Little Working Song. <laughs> 
become my little friends as we all sing a happy little working song. Uh, that one has, like, you know, inherent logic Oh, issues. some serious logical flaws. Yeah. Like, how does she... Know what a vacuum is. Yeah. And also how to use it. Yeah. <laughs> and... How does she know what a toilet is? Yeah. Scrubbing up the toilet. Yeah. Also, I I love that song listening to it, but then I watch it and I'm like, oh, cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm like the other way. It's like what, listening to it, I'm like, okay, this is fine. But then I'm watching it, and like a lot of the gags with the animals and the rats and the cockroaches are actually quite funny. And I'm like, okay, that's like, I see the appeal now. My favorite gag of the entire movie is um, her going, ah, 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 and this pigeon like flying through and hitting Patrick Dempsey in the head. <laughs> yeah. Big fan of that. That's real good. Big fan of that. Like, as a film, I think it has. I think it has issues, but I can definitely see the appeal. Mm. Like, I feel like the people who love it will love it. Yeah. I'm just like, it's just... I I love it musically. I love it for its spectacle. Yeah. Um, I love it for the the fact that there's the cross medium of the animation and the live action. Like, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I think that... The performances are really beautiful. The performances are really good. I think Amy Adams is a blessing. <gasps> Real life Disney princess. Um, I think James Marsden is incredible. <laughs> I'm obsessed with him. Giselle! Yeah. Feminism ruins everything bingo. Like, how many times has it been say Giselle. Giselle like James Marsden in this episode? Um, I I like Timothy Spall. Timothy Spall's good in everything. But, like, he's very charming in this one yeah. as well. As the kind of, like, the conniving henchman. Yeah. Um, Susan Sarandon's really good. Patrick Dempsey's. Patrick Dempsey? Yeah. I really like the kid. Yeah. Who plays Morgan. She's really... <laughs> I think Manziel is there. I think There are a lot of little touches in the film that I think work in refer- like the referencing older films. Like, the way the film opens is exactly the yeah. way that something like Sleeping Beauty yeah. or Snow White opened. Like, with the, the same kind of font and the Julie book Andrews Julie Andrews is Andrew- narrating yeah. at that point. Oh! Like, those touches, I think, are really good. But then other moments of the film, I think, get really referential for the sake of being referential. Like, there's a whole thing about Giselle leaving a slipper behind in the same way that Cinderella does <laughs> that has no relevance to the plot. But they decide to interrupt the big climactic fight to linger on a shot. And it's like, hey, we're, we're referencing Cinderella. Did you see? And like that stuff I wasn't too fond of. Fair enough. I, again, I like it if I don't think too hard about it. Yeah. Um, I'm still going to enjoy watching it. I'm still going to enjoy watching it with my boyfriend being obsessed <laughs> with it. I think I get more joy out of watching him mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how much joy he gets out of it than from the film itself. And that's kind of, that's really lovely. That's really wonderful. So, if you would like to hear Blake Ashton, my boyfriend, rant about how much he loves Enchanted, it's really wholesome and and worthwhile. Um, You should become a patron (laughs) of our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com forward slash feminism ruins everything pod. We also put um, the artwork up beforehand if i do it before thursday <laughs> night which sometimes i don't you're a very busy woman I'm a busy woman um but if i get the artwork done in advance i will post it there um and also there are outtakes and fun little extra discussions that we have there as well so yeah. for as little as i want to say one dollar a month um you can uh donate on a monthly basis and get access to this extra content and also support our podcast financially because 
we would appreciate that. Yeah, and it has no other income sources at this point. <laughs> Except we do always get a coffee from uh, Glenelg Chibo every time we record, and we're waiting for them to sponsor us, but it uh, hasn't happened yet. Hasn't happened yet, but soon. <laughs> soon, we, we can feel it. Feel it in the air. Ellis, if our pals would like to contact us uh, to, to, I don't know, chat about the content of this episode, uh, express their thoughts, opinions, disagree with us yeah. significantly, how can they do that? Well, first they can send us a bouquet of flowers by Dove. Absolutely. Or they can go into Facebook uh, and find us on the page we are Feminism Ruins Everything Dash It's a Feminist Podcast. Or you can find us on Instagram where we are at Feminism Ruins Everything pod and yeah please send us some comments send us some messages give us suggestions of things that you want to hear yeah. us review we're, we're, we're always open to things I wonder if that person who suggested the greatest showman still listens <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm always curious about that yeah please uh, please reach out to us and let us know what you think if you loved Enchanted let us know if you are heartless like me and didn't like it um i feel like that's my role in this podcast yeah. i'm the one who just doesn't like anything yeah the amount of times that people have sat me down and gone like so what do you like and i'm like yeah. well i like sondheim yeah and other things <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening friends we'll be back with another episode next friday see you then Bye.